Hey there, I'm Luke Stone. I'm a sixth former from Juno Beach, Florida, and I'm excited to be with you as we hear from some of the wisest and most experienced members of the Woodbury community, past and present. This is Teaching the Tigers. There's no question that Woodbury exists to help boys become the best versions of themselves, but that process doesn't just happen automatically. Behind every Woodbury graduate is a community of teachers, coaches, and mentors that helped shape him. The goal of this podcast is to get an alternate perspective on life at Woodbury from the point of view of some of the hardest working members of the community, our faculty. Mr. Wallace Hornady arrived at Woodbury in fall 1996 on an interim basis after several years of working with boys choir groups in the Northeast and in Texas. Within several months at the forest, Headmaster John Grinnells extended him an offer to stay on full time. 24 years later, Mr. Hornady is still playing the organ in St. Andrew's Chapel, working with the Dozen, the school's a cappella group, and helping out with the school's yearly musical. He joined me virtually via Zoom to talk about how his tenure at Woodbury began, what he enjoys most about working with students, and why Woodbury always felt like home for him. What all had you done professionally prior to coming to work at Woodbury? I did uh, an undergraduate degree in organ performance and then a graduate degree, degree at Westminster Choir College in Princeton, New Jersey uh, in choral conducting. I worked for uh, seven years in various positions at the American Boy Choir, a nationally touring uh, concert choir, uh, ending my time there as associate music director. And I moved from there and spent a year as artistic director for the Texas Boys Choir and then went to Woodbury. And how exactly did the opportunity to work at Woodbury present itself? So I had actually ended my relationship with the, the Texas group and uh, my friend Tim Jacobson gave me a call one morning. His uh, son, uh, Kit, whom I had taught at the American Boy Choir, was at Woodbury. My predecessor uh, needed some time off for personal reasons and they needed someone to fill in. So Tim called me up and uh, asked if I could fill in for a month. And 23 years later, I'm still there. What were some of your first impressions uh, when you arrived on campus? So Dr. Jordan was, uh, was the dean uh, who called me, uh, called me up and he gave me directions to come up uh, 20. Uh, and it was the height of the fall color. It was just before Halloween. And there were these gorgeous horse farms and this resplendent uh, color. And I had frankly said yes before I ever actually got to campus. Uh, I had just gotten a dog. And uh, one of the things on my list uh, was uh, can't do this if I can't bring the dog. And the first living being I met on the Woodbury campus was on the bench in front of the Walker building, and it was uh, Brendan O'Shea's dog. And I said, check one. And when you arrived uh, on that fall day, and uh, was that, would that have been 1996? That, uh, that's correct. Did you envision yourself uh, being at Woodbury for the long haul? I did not. I thought that I was going to be useful for a, a month or so, and that would be it. It turned out that the uh, gentleman in question uh, couldn't return. And so they asked me to stay on for, uh, for, the, for the winter. And uh, in the springtime, the then headmaster, John Grinnells, uh, sat down with me in the dining hall, the old dining hall, and said, uh, Wallace, we want you to uh, run our music department. And that's how that started. 
uh, when that did get started and you got hired full time and you were sitting in your classroom for the first time and meeting some of these uh, some of these boys, what were your first impressions about what students at Woodbury were like? My, I had been, uh, the American Boy Choir was in Princeton, New Jersey, and so I was a Southern boy from Montgomery, Alabama, up there uh, among a, a, what was a very different culture for me. I learned to live in that culture and to enjoy it very much, but coming to Woodbury felt like coming back home because the Woodbury boys were like all the guys that I grew up with here in Montgomery, and so that was, that was my first impression. I'm, I'm back home here. In your time at Woodbury, I guess that Mr. Blaine and Mr. Surveys, the two directors with whom you've worked the most for um, arrangements for musicals, have been there the whole time. Uh, how have your relationships with them developed as you've uh, helped them out with the musicals over the past 23 years? We've developed very close relationships and a very intimate understanding of how the other works. It's a very different experience working with Mr. Servies than working with uh, with Mr. Blaine. Uh, Mr. Servies is always on the edge and creative and turn on a dime, whereas Mr. Blaine has things planned out and calculating. Both get great results. So in your 23 plus years at Woodbury, are there any uh, names, I won't ask you to pick one because that would be unfair, but of uh, singers that stick out as having improved the most from the time you first heard them to the time that they ended up graduating? I have thought of a name, and uh, it was my first year. The, the spring musical was Guys and Dolls, and on a lark, several of the football team decided that in their senior year, uh, having never sung, having, having never acted, they were going out for the play. And so there I was, saddled with uh, this responsibility of, number one, teaching them how to sing, and then getting the actual music learned. And there was a boy among them uh, named Vic Wells who discovered a talent that he didn't have, know that he had. And uh, he was actually, and I'm sure still is, a very, very fine singer. So he's the first one. I could, as you uh, suggested, mention uh, a lot of great success stories over the years. But he's the first name that, that comes to mind as the, the very first one. How does your work with the dozen differ from the work that you do with the chapel choir and with the full chorus for the annual musical? What kind of things do you have to kind of dial up or dial back in, in trying to get the best results out of groups of singers with very different experience? Well, that's the thing about dozen. Dozen, you can go for it. A uh, dozen are all there by audition, whereas in the chapel choir, it's just because you want to be there and anybody can come. And so therefore in the dozen, you've been chosen for your uh, vocal ability, for your uh, musical ability, for, the, uh, for your ear particularly, and, uh, and a solo quality for your voice. So uh, it's entirely possible to go to a much higher level uh, with the dozen. Which musical score that you've had to arrange has been the most difficult to get stage ready? So do you mean something that I've personally arranged uh, for choir or dozen to sing, or do you mean uh, one, of the, one of the musicals? Do you feel comfortable answering all three? Sure. Okay. Uh, I counted two. <laughs> I okay. counted two. But so annually, the hard thing to get together uh, uh, for the dozen is uh, the Ave Maria by Beeble. We do that just because it's a challenge. And there are seven individual parts that 12 young men have to cover. And uh, it is unaccompanied. There is no help. And so that is our yearly challenge on purpose. I think I have to name Frankenstein as being the uh, most difficult musical. 
I think some of my gray hairs <laughs> uh, in my beard come from, uh, from, from that production. And the, the hard part of that was, uh, was timing the music to all of the technical things that were going on uh, on stage, uh, explosions and uh, set pieces coming in, and all of that had to be timed with a live orchestra. So that was the uh, that was the most difficult one uh, as far as a musical is concerned, as I remember. And then uh, the one that uh, took the most work to get together for dozen, I did not arrange, but uh, was arranged by Jason Hill and the Clef Hangers, and that's uh, "You Never Need Nobody," which uh, the dozen did was. It two years ago at graduation, and that was certainly the most difficult pop score that we've gotten together. You were put in, uh, obviously, a couple months ago, as we all were, in a pretty difficult spot uh, with coronavirus and the cancellation of the spring trimester. How exactly have you tried to adapt your auditions for the dozen to make sure that next fall um, the group can get together and hit the ground running? It's funny you should ask that because that's my big project of today. What we've done is to have everyone who wanted to audition, uh, the, the first round was to send in a video singing a song of their choice unaccompanied, just raw them and the camera. And uh, then from, uh, from among that group, we uh, chose a group to go on to the second round of auditions, which is where we stand right now. And that group has made an audio recording of parts of Amasai, at least two parts of Amasai, not the melody lining all those up in sound recording software to, to try to get uh, an idea of how people sound together. The current dozen members sent their files in. And so this is what we would have done if we were doing this live, uh, have different groups of, uh, of singers sing together and see who, who blends. And so now I'm trying to approximate that and it is an approximation digitally by lining them all up in a music production software and then muting certain ones and, and trying to get uh, some sense as best we can of how uh, everyone would sound together. And that announcement is still to come, still working on that this afternoon. Do you think there are any advantages to not being able to do it in person? Uh, I don't know if this is an advantage or not uh, as, as far as the auditioners are concerned, but uh, it certainly uh, gives, this is the greatest amount of personal accountability there has ever been because you're just out there and that one recording and that's it. and there's also uh, the, the fact who, uh, you know, who was brave enough to do it and who uh, managed to, in the middle of AP exams or whatever else they had going on, uh, produce those, uh, those recordings and get them in and who had the guts to listen to themselves and send it in anyway. I'm so proud of the guys. They've done a great job. I want to uh, turn a little bit to the musical from this year, which was uh, Music Man. It was Mr. Blaine's last production. And in Music Man, there is the quartet. What was your experience like working with, uh, with those boys as they try to develop their voices and really develop a, uh, a chemistry with each other? Uh, it was a lot of hard work and a lot of fun work. Uh, again, very exposed and each singer singing their, singing their own part and any variation from the, uh, from the score, any, any pitch problem, any note problem, just immediately, uh, immediately noticeable. And so uh, I, I've worked certainly harder on that part of the show than on, uh, on, on any parts of the show and any other part of the show. And those guys that really came through and uh, uh, worked to the, to the best of their ability and, and pulled it off. Looking back at uh, your like, 23 years at Woodbury uh, as a whole, obviously there are a lot of great parts about working in a community like Woodbury, but there also are a lot of taxing parts uh, 
like being on duty, busy schedules, what would you say is the most difficult part about living and working at Woodbury, especially for as long as you have? So uh, finding life balance between being totally, uh, totally dedicated to the job, uh, but, but keeping enough for yourself to stay healthy, that's the, that's the challenge right there. And then on the flip side of that, so to speak, what do you think are, are the best parts? What do you enjoy most? What do you find most rewarding about working at Woodbury? George Storm asked me this question 15 years ago or 20, whenever it was that he was at, at Woodbury. And my answer is the same. This, uh, any uh, interaction with a student like this is absolutely my favorite thing about working at Woodbury.